You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everyone. Happy early Halloween. Hey, hey, David Hall. Hi. Kyle Pendigraf. Good evening, everybody. Hey, happy Halloween. On the show this week, we review the release of the updated Phoenix Raceway, just in time for Championship Week. Monday Night Racing adds more high-profile drivers, and we'll discuss the trials of a professional esports sim racer. And remember, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all of the great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting Show Notes. Hope to see you there. GridFinder 2.0 is bigger and better than ever with more ways to narrow your search for your next sim racing league. Featuring over 1,000 leagues from over 25 racing sims across every platform, your place on the grid is just a couple of clicks away. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or to upload your own. GridFinder is the home of online sim racing leagues. GridFinder.com And just want to take a moment and mention this is the last episode of uh, our sponsorship with GridFinder. Um, it's been a little bit over a year. And it's been fantastic to have them as part of a part of our show and and to talk about their product and and just to get their awareness out there about hey this is how you can find some leaks. But uh, it's been great working with Tom and, and we certainly welcome them back sometime and um, in the future. So don't make sure to check those guys out. this week so brian you're going to kick us off with the first topic yeah this is not a, a great story to start off with uh in a certain point of view but it's something everybody should be aware of it comes from iRacing racing staffer susan flint and she posted in the forums that if you guys see any offers to purchase anything iRacing related, such as iRacing dollars or credits outside of the iRacing website from a verified iRacing email please do not participate. These are not legitimate, uh, legitimate offers. And uh, iRacing is, is currently, they're investigating a, a potential scam on Discord from a channel called iRacing Store. So uh, anything that comes, even if it's from a verified iRacing email, do not participate in it. That's not how they're, uh, they're really running their, uh, their sales and stuff like that. Um, you know, you, just a couple reminders is never give out any personal information such as your login information, email address or passwords, or give out any credit card information. You know, iRacing would only ask for the last four digits to investigate billing issues or anything like that. So uh, be really careful out there. I mean, that just doesn't go with iRacing. 
with any emails that you guys get, make sure uh, you do your research and do your homework that, that this stuff is uh, real. There's just so many scams out there. And apparently iRacing and iRacing World has not been um, immune to this type of uh, this type of deal. Yeah, surely it's an issue if they're communicating to the community about it, um, that people have probably have been swindled and then they contact iRacing support and say, try to get their money back and probably can't do it because they didn't give their money to iRacing. So I think that's important to know who you're doing business with. Um, now, I, I do want to point out this is, pro you know, specifically related to credits and dollars and, you know, for the iRacing product. You know, I, I still think that if you buy a T-shirt or a hat that says iRacing, those are hosted on third-party websites. Uh, uh, they don't offer that directly. Um, so I think I was even watching uh, a YouTube today uh, on iRacing's channel and noticed um, they have T-shirts for sale through Teespring, uh, which is the YouTube uh, T-shirt mechanism. And uh, But, yeah, so, yeah, be careful. It looks like we're going to beat the same horse again that we beat to death last week. Uh, there's a lot of angst in the forums over the Phoenix track being t uh, retired. And um, I mean, I could say the same things, but I don't know if it's necessary. The track is not that different other than the orientation change. And it's an update. So everybody's basically keeping the content they already had. They're just updating it. Yeah. And, there's, you know, when we talked last week, it had just, you know, been announced and we were talking about it and now a week has gone by and there's certainly a forum thread about it and uh you know as you read through the thread it's really just questions about why is what i see um or speculation about why and there's lots of speculation i think the biggest one that most people uh mentioned was licensing is this a licensing issue of some re for some reason um i'd even asked in the forums uh to an admin hey Maybe you can just uh, pipe in and tell us why, you know, and that would probably uh, calm down a, a little bit of the speculation. But at this point, I don't think we know, except, uh, you know, the most common uh, consensus may be it's just pretty much the same track. It may just be a point where they've decided that they have too much legacy content and they're going to some in some cases when they see fit, they're going to go ahead and pull it out. Because one thing I did read in the forum is that they they are adding all of the back new back end stuff to the legacy tracks so that it, any of the dynamic tracking or tire modeling and, and stuff that is actually still being maintained so the more legacy tracks they keep and there is already a legacy phoenix the more legacy tracks they keep the more work there is for content that's going to get raced a little all right there's gonna be a, there's a couple of novelty leagues for, but for the most part that not that many people are going to be jumping on the 2008 phoenix very often Right. Now, uh, we got teaser video and uh, pictures. Now, the pictures, now, when they, I first saw these on my iPhone, Mac, uh, you know, 10s Max, it looked like a real picture. I mean, it looks like the real Phoenix. And in fact, uh, the, the screenshot that they presented with the green cactus, you know, looking down onto the start finish line, that's pretty much where my seats were last time I was out there. I mean, I sat literally in the same spot that that camera angle is from. So it looks very, very familiar. Uh, every advertisement, every everything is exactly the same. <laughs> so uh, 
I haven't gotten the update just yet, so I haven't really had the chance to really peruse around. Uh, did uh, Did you guys uh, have a chance to look through it yet? Oh yeah, yeah. I got on it today and uh, ran some laps. Uh, my first reaction is it doesn't feel like the same track, um, especially down. I guess with the new back stretch uh, or the old front stretch. It feels wider. It, it is wider, I think. And uh, I don't know. It just feels like the transitions are smoother or, or I don't, it, you know, it is the same, but it just feel di- it felt different. I mean, it's certainly fami- familiar to the other one, but uh, yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of change. The walls are different colors and I think taller. Um, so it just looks uh, a lot different. Now I took the time to go looking for Dale and Steve Myers, uh, trying to identify where they might be on track. I, I never did find them, but I did send you guys some pictures of what I did find. Uh, did you guys see those? Yes. Yeah, I did. It looks like there's a couple of uh, anomalies in there that uh, need to be uh, patched up a little bit. Not too bad. I mean, there were a few light poles in the infield that were kind of floating above ground. Uh, when I went around the back of the grandstands, which I'm very familiar with too. Uh, you know, some of the the or the escalators were like sunk down into the pavement kind of thing, and so the ground wasn't really lining up real well with everything else. Uh, the motorhomes were kind of buried into the ground, you know, the, the bottom part of their tire, and so uh, just little stuff like that. Um, the fan tunnel that goes under the track into the infield doesn't even exist on the outside of the track. They do have it modeled on the inside of the track, but it's closed off. They did model helicopters both out of the track and in the track. And I, don't, I was wondering, is that the first time they've modeled a helicopter in iRacing? I, I haven't seen one before, so I, I, would, I would care to say it probably is. Um, the other thing I noticed is the vegetation on the Rattlesnake Hill was pretty ridiculous kind of looking. I mean, it was a real flat, you know, vegetation where if you looked at it from the side, it it has no depth to it. I, I thought with the new tree model that maybe that would look a little more realistic, but um, apparently those are two different things. So is your impression that this was rushed in any way or you just think it was just like little minor things that they just got to work the kinks out of? Um, it's 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 we're seeing it more and more often where they're releasing new content or updated content in the middle of seasons and not waiting for the end a lot of it i know has to do with the timing of particular races and stuff like that but um um you know do you do you feel like it, it was rushed in any way no because everything from a from a driving perspective is done what everything i just mentioned is outside of the track outside the fence basically so it's artistic it's just stuff that you would know you wouldn't see unless you're out of the car and you're looking around like i am flying around like a bird with the control f12 and the wasd buttons you wonder if some of that stuff wouldn't be uh wouldn't be a little bit better if this was a, a coke series race you know that gets a lot more high profile and, and stuff like that they seem to they seem to take a little extra time on and doing updates and and making everything as pretty as possible for those types of races. One thing I was expecting, Brian, was isn't there a track where you can see the skyline of the city in the distance? I think it might be Chicago. 
That might be. I, I'm not 100% sure. But this would have been a perfect uh, time to do that, too, because if you're standing on Rattlesnake Hill or in the stands about from the halfway up or higher, you can see downtown Phoenix and the big high rises uh, several miles off in the distance. And, you know, even though they didn't model anything really outside of the track, it might be cool just to have that out there, you know, so if you're plopped down in a stand, you would see it. I think I've seen that before at a different track, and you know, that kind of uh, artwork. But because it's not, you know, affecting, you know, as you're driving, I'm sure it's something that they could add later, or they're planning on adding later, or maybe they, you know, they consider it done, which is fine with me. I, I wouldn't call it undone. Well, how about the video? They did put out a YouTube of it as well. Uh, what do you think of that? Um, yeah, it's there's typical really high quality type of, of uh, introduction videos that we've been accustomed to seeing um, and, and you see a variety of different cars on there not just uh, NASCAR you see some IRL stuff on there as well um, so yeah so uh, it's it's really cool watching um, it, it does seem like it's a it, it's a very smooth track from what I, what I remember from the original uh, I don't know if that's just the way that they did it but it, it seemed like a nice smooth track that the cars are driving on. And, uh, and it's just, it's, it's still, still for me, so weird to drive that backstretch and not see the flag stand on that long straightaway as they're driving past it. Yeah, it is odd. And I did try to try to drive into the garages, like through the openings and pit wall. And it just stops you, even though it looks like you can drive in there. It's like a wall. I damaged my car. But that big part where they have the O'Reilly logo and they do all the, you know, pre-race festivities and stuff, you can actually drive onto that part. So you just go to the right off of Pitt Road there and just kind of drive through the wall opening and you can drive in there. And I was doing donuts on the O'Reilly logo and uh, you can drive around in there. Now, um, the uh, the Phoenix that this one replaced had some... Uh... Uh, rallycross track in it too does this one have that that's a good question i didn't even look i'll check and tell you here in a sec because the um this replaces the existing phoenix right so the right. current legacy one's gone and the one that was before this is now the new legacy right so maybe it's just the rallycross is just in the legacy version well when no, i hit test they did it not just get, says oval the old legacy is still the old legacy they didn't they kept the old legacy not not okay. the old not the the there's version if we're saying what version three now version two is what went away not version one okay so then um the rallycross was tied to the version two that this replaced i'm looking now um i only know the rallycross is associated with 2008 version which is version one it shows oval road course and rallycross on the 2008 and then when I go to the new Phoenix, it's just oval with open dog leg and oval. Guess what does it mean? What's the difference between those two? O oval and o oval with open dog leg. Um, there, they have cones set up on the dog leg. Yeah. Sorry. Is it cones sorry, or, uh, you see the cones are track or actual obstacles that will hurt the car. Um, well, in the previous version um, for OBRL, we used to race where the dog leg was not open, and they would have cones lined up, you know, just inside of the uh, 
the dog lake where you had to stay to the right of, you would get a penalty if you dropped too far down and knocked out a bunch of cones. So that was the two different versions. And I'm assuming that, that they've done some version of that on this new one. This is going to be a fun race. I'm looking forward to it. Remember, full distance next week for NIS. Um, final race of the year. And uh, boy, after Martinsville and Kansas, man, anything looks better than those two. Let's keep going and talk uh, other schedule changes, perhaps, that might affect us next year in NIS and beyond. Brian. Yeah, this came from a tweet from Adam Stern. Um, the uh, the uh, reporter, NASCAR reporter, um, and he posted on his tweet that NASCAR has hinted that it's going to strip more perform more performing track poor performing tracks uh, of the races in the coming years, and it's preparing to invest heavily in new ideas like a street race. So, um, and they actually talked a little bit about this on DBC on the Bumper Clear podcast that you know they're even thinking about posting like a, a 2030 future schedule of what. A uh, what a NASCAR schedule might look like, you know, and uh, so yeah, so it looks like they're going to be uh, looking closely at tracks that aren't performing very well attendance-wise and such, and uh, maybe think about making some changes. Uh, you know, the street courses, the street races. We know they've talked about, we've covered it, and uh, iRacing has the uh, has the one in uh, Detroit, right? Or is it Chicago? I can't remember, but it's Chicago, right? And uh, so street street races, they they've definitely been looking to that, and it might be something that uh, comes to pass and and starts bumping off some poor performing tracks. You know, it's all about money. It always is. And remember how the money is structured in NASCAR, where tracks are getting a big big chunk of that money. And so if they have two dates versus one, that's a that's a huge amount of money. So they could just, you know, I think it's smart that they take that and say, you know what, this track's not performing. Let's not give them two. Let's not give them all that money. Let's let's take half that money and go spend it in a new market and get new fans and da 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 da, you know, and go down that route. So I understand why they're doing it. You know, I always think, and you guys probably can tell that I think NASCAR is in decline, um, and I think that they're, you know, they're grasping at straws and that kind of thing to try to make something happen. Uh, and, you know, this is not a bad idea because I think the wealth does need to be redistributed as NASCAR has changed. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of evolved into this different product. And uh, and it might be good to get the money more evenly distributed or, or to do something different with it besides lining the pockets of SMI and NASCAR who own those tracks. I would say that NASCAR is not really in decline any more than they're just following the current of live sports period. They're all kind of, there's just not as much draw in today's world with the way the media is for the, especially for the kids to go sit at a baseball game or, or even a football game in some cases. Right. Societal changes overall have affected it, you know, because, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago when you were a, uh, a teenager, it was all about having a nice car with a carburetor and you were working on it and you were getting pipes and you were doing different things. And yeah, but nowadays you don't see kids doing that at all. Half my kids don't even worry about getting their driver's license quick enough yet. Now it's just not as big of a deal to be able to drive. Yeah. So culture has changed and that's affected it, but I don't know. So what's with racing spin on this? I mean, 
you know, street courses, uh, temporary street courses. I think the Chicago, you know, street course is a, you know, it, it proves it out that the, it can be done, you know, uh, in fact, it can be done before the race even happens. They did the virtual version first. And, uh, and so where, where's next Miami, you know, maybe, uh, is there a double header in play with, uh, the formula one race? Who knows? I, I will have to agree with I don't know I don't think yeah. we're covering it. I will have to agree with with uh, Elliot Sadler's tweet that the reason I uh, the F one race was so much bigger is because it's one race a year versus thirty two races a year in one country. Just thirty two uh, saturation point. That's always a discussion. I think it feels right to me. I mean, we have a proper off season. We end up racing in the off season, um, other stuff, but I wouldn't want it to go all year long, you know? Um, so would, if it was shorter, you know, we would just find something else to do. Well, somebody who has found something else to do is Dale Earnhardt. Uh, he's joining the Monday night series racing again. He's going to be running it as long as well as Kyle Busch. Um, this is a, a a league basically that uh, Ford Martin runs. I don't know if it's the same Ford Martin that used to show up on on Sirius XM as a kid, but um, he's the one who runs it, and he also runs the feeder series for it. I think I'm going to try out that feeder series while uh, our league is on hiatus. That's cool. I might be interested in doing that with you, uh, but that that looks like fun. I mean, it looks like the place to be. I mean, last week it was Kyle Busch. This place, it's, you know, it's Dale Earnhardt. Uh, the next announcement that Monday Night Racing says is uh, iRacing has agreed to reach a three-race deal uh, for the Monday Night Races to be broadcasted on iRacing's official Twitch channel, uh, starting with the season opener at Daytona, November 1st, uh, which is coming up uh, this weekend, or Monday night, I should say. Yeah, it's it's almost it's a really good kind of pro am type league, um, and you know personally I would want to get in it because yeah you get to race with your heroes, but also being able to run our our colors and our our logo on that broadcast would be huge for the show I think too. Well, Brian, you're yeah, an IRX guy, or even like well you got some more. Yeah, I just I just think this uh, this Monday Night League's gonna really do well uh, on. You know, when you start bringing those names in, you're going to get eyeballs like uh, him and Kyle Busch, Dale Jr., uh, and some of the pro guys. Um, it's it's a it was a fun racing league to watch last year because, like I said last week, that they had they just had really cool odd combinations sometimes that made for really fun watch fun races to watch. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I just think this is going to be a be a fun thing to keep an eye on. In some ways, it's what the pro invitational should have been. Exactly. Um, I remember Brian, and it'll stick in my head forever. The Pro Four dirt trucks at Watkins Glen, leaning on each other, like l really, really leaning on each other. And uh, Kyle Busch was ultra aggressive, and that was pretty fun to watch. Which suits his style, you know. So, all right, Brian, let's jump onto IRX. Yeah. So. Uh... Iracing tweeted uh, some video from the recap race at Barcelona last week. Uh, some really cool video to check out on that thing. And then uh, they actually had a race at Hell on uh, the 27th. That was today, right? 
I haven't seen any results for that yet. I'm no, afraid. yesterday. I watched that parts was, of that. That was yesterday. Okay. Uh, I can't get the race recap up. So uh, do you do you remember uh, how that went, Mike? You know, I don't know. I don't have the results or anything in my head, but um, I can tell you that Hell Track H E L L is what they call it. Um, when you go out of the starting gate, and, and they they start three wide here, which is a little different in some tracks, but if you're on the outside, you're you're pretty much hosed. You're going to be dead last going because the first corner is to the right. But the joker is right there at turn one off to the left. And so uh, the announcers are saying, well, the, the, you know, the strategy here is if you're on the left side of the starting grid, you better be taking that joker that first lap or you're going to just lose so much track position. And uh, sure enough, that's kind of how it played out. The people on the left would just jump on the joker and they'd come out pretty equal, um, even though it's a disadvantage. It's fun to watch, though, for sure. And they have the uh, all-star uh, version, too, uh, with some, you know, famous people, as you would call it, in there. We always love to get to uh, see when there's crossover between the real world and, and the sim world. In fact, we were just talking about it with the Monday Night Racing. Well, this is going the other direction. We've got uh, Coke Series driver Vicente Salas, and he's doing some real-world late model testing. He has a little post on Twitter with a shot of him coming around the corner. That's nice uh, that he gets opportunities and, you know, I wonder what the goal is. Hopefully it's to get in a real car. It looks like that is his goal. Uh, Vicente, isn't he from Florida? Is that right? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying to figure out what track this is. It's a short clip and doesn't have anything particular, but it looks a lot like Five Flags to me just from what I see. With the red and white wall? It's pretty yeah, heavily it banked. It's, that's a, that's steep for a short track. Now he runs uh, not just in the Coke, but uh, the Rallycross as well. All right, next up is a video. Um, the ABAC Sim Racing Expo is moving, and it's about news broke out this week that they're going to move the Sim Racing Expo away from the Nurburgring to Nuremberg, the town and combining with the Retro Classics Car Show. And so there, it's, a, it's a move. They had a nice place at the track to, to you know, have this expo. The track has a big area, you know, for, you know, booths, ex exhibition booths, and a place, you know, to do uh, the sim racing, uh, you know, races and whatnot, and, and, you know, different areas for this big group of people. That was pretty nice, and uh, he talked about you know how the the current laid out was great, and not sure it needed to be changed. Uh, so this guy uh, was not a fan of them moving it into the town. So the uh, people who uh, put the show on, uh, they they felt like they need to change uh, venue, and so that even though Nuremberg is right there next to the track. Um, it's not going to be convenient, especially uh, if you want to get out and do some hot laps and that kind of thing. The other thing was, uh, how are the people going to mix? Uh, because they, they, at the same time, at the same place, they're going to have the retro classics car show. And, you know, the kind of crowd that goes to the classic car show isn't the same kind of crowd that's going to go to the Sim Racing Expo. And so they're really two different sets of people. That, that gives the opportunity for probably even more crossover. He was his uh his take was well you know the people going to the classic car show they're the 
you know, they're the older German crowd and they're not going to be interested in, you know, sim racing products and, and that kind of thing. Well, you're old and you enjoy it. <laughs> That's right. I really do want to go to that show uh, one day. I wish there was one close, close to middle America, right? Instead of all the way over to one of the coasts. But speaking of the coast, Brian, iRacing going to the Coliseum. Yeah, so uh, Steve Myers posted this in his Twitter that, uh, you know, that iRacing is going to be uh, helping out with NASCAR as they make their clash race, uh, as they as they hold their nat- clash race at the LA Coliseum in Los Angeles. So uh, we heard a little bit about this before, but... Um, and we even saw a little bit of uh, iRacing footage of some testing there, but uh, but we know that NASCAR is going to the Clash, and uh, iRacing is going to be a partner with NASCAR and getting that all set up. So it's kind of made official by Steve Myers, and uh, I'm just curious as to you know whether this track is going to be something that we're going to be able to get sometime soon, maybe before the actual race goes down. That's a great. Yeah, there's some great quotes in this I want to get out, um, Brian. It's an article on sporttechie.com, and uh, I'm going to read the first quote here from Steve. Our business isn't just a video game. We've developed a product that's grown enough that the real world now views it as an opportunity and a way to make their sports better. Now, I will say that if you want it to come out soon, let me tweet about it, because last time I tweeted about Phoenix, Phoenix got released a week later. So just let me tweet tonight and we'll have LA Coliseum next week. There you go. I like that. Knock on wood, right? That's right. I want you to tweet about uh, lane choice. I can try, but I don't know if I can fix that one. So I want to also read a quote about Ben Kennedy, who's the guy who's heir apparent to NASCAR. Um, He is uh, part of this article and he talks about how this idea came about. He said, the process started simply. Kennedy's team went to the Coliseum's website a couple years ago and filled out the Contact Us form. Discussion slowly slowed down during the onset of the pandemic, but resumed in earnest last summer. One of the concepts, concepts that we've been talking about, especially on the international side, is of having a temporary course built inside of a stadium, and then you can scale it to other places too, Kennedy says. So this is cool. So like, if you could pull this off in the Coliseum, then they could go to Rome and do the same thing, or they could go to, you know, Spain and or Germany or somewhere like that. Like the international crowd, they have a very similar layout, you know, in one of those stadiums, uh, just recreate it. it. It does mention on here that they've also been, uh, or Myers mentions that he's been racing for 21 years, right? And uh, and that they've got four, four current projects going on. Did you mention that already? No, so that's the other thing that this does mention. Uh, there's four current projects going on with NASCAR, and David and I, we were trying to identify which of the four they are. So California and what else? May, they may be uh, continuing to work on Chicago, depending on if that happens or not. Uh, the Coliseum. Yeah, so yeah, yeah the co- and the Coliseum. And... That we came up with three, we didn't come up with a fourth. Yeah, we don't know what the fourth is, so that's news, right? Maybe somebody watching live could chime in on chat on a chat and say what they think. Another thing, uh, a nice quote in here um, is, I got to find it again. 
Myers admits he was skeptical of the original Coliseum proposal. I'll be honest, my first thought was, wow, this seems like a bad idea, he says, until his team started building the simulation. Before iRacing built the Coliseum model, it constructed a free-floating track in the digital realm on which professional iRacing drivers and subsequently actual cup drivers could test it out. Those test races were live streamed to NASCAR headquarters where Kennedy and his unit could watch, communicate with the drivers, and even request real-time adjustments. And it goes on to say, you know, they were changing the banking from 2.5 to 5 degrees and stuff like that. And isn't that amazing? I mean, they're doing it real-time testing digitally. NASCAR and the, their executives are watching it and they're saying, okay, we need a little more banking. Can you dial that in and we could try it again? That's pretty it, amazing. Just just imagine the amount of 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 money that saves somebody like NASCAR who, you know, has no other way to really test this, you know, other than build it and, and redo it. It's it's really great that they can they can uh, do these kind of uh testing without, you know, without having to make it in real world yet and try to get something optimal and then uh go ahead and produce it based on what iRacing says was the best way to best way to build it but basically iRacing is now kind of the adobe of of tracks well i think it's evolved into something that it wasn't intended to ever be maybe it was intended to be this but um i mean nascar must be pleased as punch john henry must be pleased as punch i mean he's a nascar owner heavily invested heavily invested in nascar heavily invested in iRacing and to see these two part, you know, come together like this to, to, to work on the future product of, you know, this is important to NASCAR. And, uh, this is, like you said, it makes it so easy to try to get it right before they screw it up. Right. Who would have thought that this would be the way to get into real racing? You know, uh, you start off by b- building, um, you know, a, a, a simulation and, it winds up being that you become a part of the sport in a way that, that no one has become a part of the sport that way before. Last quote, I'm gonna go over uh, Steve Myers again. Our business is built around replicating as closely as we can real world, real world racing. No business in the world is spending as much money to develop a piece of software to do this than we are. Great stuff. So check out that article, sporttechie.com. Well, iRacing is going to need another person to help promote tracks like the uh, the new Coliseum track as they come out. So they are posting an advert for a new multimedia specialist. Um, you'll be reporting to Alex Horn. I When I read over the post, I could not see that it requires you to move. So this may be – oh, no, it does have a location. It says Chelmsford, Massachusetts right at the front. So – that probably means you would need to move. There's a little bit of travel involved, but basically you're going to focus on in-game screenshots, on-site videos. Uh, you may travel some for some of the marketing uh, as well for demonstrations and trade shows. Um, and the qualifications are initiative taker, self-motivated. Got to be able to work independently and team. You got to be able to prioritize page projects based on what the company's goals are. And definitely you have to have a passion for the uh for the world of racing and gaming because I don't think you would enjoy the job if you didn't. So uh, if you're interested, send them an, an email with your resume. Well, looks like I'm moving. It's nice knowing you guys. 
dream job, right? It's right. I mean, yeah, if you're an iRacer and, and that's your line of business, why not? All right, I got this one. Uh, esports taking a toll. We talked about this a little last week, uh, the announcement um, that uh, Coca-Cola Series uh, eNASCAR driver is uh, stepping away um, voluntarily um, due, to the, due to the grind. Uh, Nathan Lyon uh, is his name. And Racer.com actually caught up with Nathan uh, and got uh, an interview, basically. And we have a few quotes uh, from Nathan that I thought we would uh, go over. I'll, here's the first one. I can't really say where I'll be in five years, so I don't know if I will ever decide to come back and try to go for the eNASCAR Coca-Cola series again or not. Lion told Racer, I'd say retire is a pretty good word, actually. Stepping away from sim racing was something that was kind of in the back of my mind since the beginning of this year, Lion said. Um, and he went on to say here um, that he wants to be a weatherman and he loves to go storm chasing um, and watching weather. He has a huge passion for it, and uh, that's what he's going to try to get into. Racing is fun, and it's it's uh, got to be a blessing for the guys who really want to make it uh, um, their career. But at the same time, sometimes if you have you turn something that's your passion into your career, the grind can get in the way of the enjoyment. And it and, and when it turns into your job instead of the thing you love, it can can run you away from it. You know, I I teach music and I love performing a lot, but other than when I'm in the gym, if I'm when I'm usually in the car. I'm not listening to music because I've been teaching it all day. I'm actually usually listening to a podcast instead because it allows my brain to shut off from what I've been doing at work all day. So I, can, I definitely understand where he's coming from. And then we got another guy, Brian. Yeah, um, this came on a Twitter thread from Zach Campbell. So uh, Zach Campbell is uh, is a uh, road racing series um top rate top rated uh road racer he was in the porsche tag Heuer's esports super cup series so you know that's For that's the pinnacle yeah well he's going to be Coanda this coming year right last year oh, uh right. last year he was rll esport and this next year he will be with Coanda. so and he finished uh eighth in the points and uh he has a long thread on uh twitter about you know what all is involved in being a top level professional, I will say, because uh, they're getting paid for the most part. I racer. Um, he even put it put up a spreadsheet of how many hours he's put in and and what finishes they they produced. I mean, he's he's constantly putting in between you know most twenty five to thirty five, forty, forty seven. Sometimes was the most he ever put in practice in one week. So uh, so yeah, so they're putting in a ton of time uh, now. You know, some of the points he makes are, are pretty pretty spot on. You know, the the difference between sim racing and the real thing, he says, is that while in while an IndyCar team will might get four to seven test test days per year, you know, sim racers have are able to test twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. There's no limitation on testing, and you know, it's another thing is that you can have people within your team who might not be in the series can do setup testing as well. So there can be so much testing going on in these, and it takes a lot of time. He says, uh, you know, sometimes some of the crazier setups actually wind up working, working the best. And it's, uh, that can only be figured out through, you know, hours and hours and hours of testing. So, um, 
so he, he's not complaining about it. You know, this is what he chose to do. It's, it's what he loves. Um, but um, my comment on this would be, you know, what are, what are you eliminating by by having guys who can put in this amount of time? If you know, if you know, you know what my point is, is like, um, you know, the top series now are only going to be able to be have people in it that can put this kind of time and are only professionals. And, and is that, is that what we want as uh, sim racers? It's just to have this, this group of elite uh, top drivers that um, put in so much time that they're, they're, they're basically out of reach for, for your um, average driver or your, even, even if you're just a aspiring professional driver, it's really hard to get this kind of uh, testing and, and, feedback and all the all the stuff that goes into being this top 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 level racer so um yeah that would be my my question is some people have even uh commented on a thread that hey what if uh what if these drivers get the track two hours before two days before the race you know so uh, the porsche series runs every two weeks if the race is on saturday they would find out what track they're going to be at on tuesday thursday and uh so you know that would limit how many days you have to test on that um so so a couple interesting things like that that um kind of limit the amount of time that these guys have to put in in order to be at the top level they just test all the tracks then 24 hours a day yeah probably right they'll put in more time because they're tested so many tracks you know well think about it nascar they can control how many test days because they have goodyear in their back pocket and you know you're not going to test without tires and goodyear's going to know and nascar is going to know and uh there's been teams you know that have been caught testing when they're not supposed to and it's it's a pretty serious offense but in iRacing i mean you can't limit somebody on what they're doing. I mean, do we want to, like you said, is that what we want? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's a goal or not, but uh, perhaps iRacing could limit auto, you know, software wise. Like let's say if you're a, a pro driver in the Porsche, you know, super cup and you're one of those guys, maybe iRacing can program it where, you know, if you have that particular license and you're in this particular series, the system won't let you into the Porsche car unless you're, you know, over only two hours a week or something, you know, and, and then it automatically kicks you out. You can drive any other car, any other track, but you can't drive that car. Um, that's funny you say that because I had uh, a very similar thought to that if they could do that. Now, I mean, they could they could work work around it in a couple little ways, you know, if they if they um if they have multiple accounts maybe, they could get a, get around it that way or or if they uh if they uh take a chance on borrowing somebody else's password or something like that. You know, there are a couple of different ways that that could happen, but I I kind of like like the idea of, you know, if you want to make it realistic, these guys don't have that kind of track time. You know, they have sim time as well, but you know, there's a there's a debate of how well that translates directly from sim to the real world race where you know you're comparing apples to oranges in that case where where on iRacing you're you're racing the same exact everything's apple to apples. So the the amount of time you can test and practice on um on iRacing is, you know, identical to what you're going to see when the competition actually starts. So my worry is that, you know, you're just going to, 
you're going to have just these group of drivers that have these resources in the top series and everybody else is going to be like, eh, you know, I'm not even worried about it. I can't, I can't do that. And I, th- I think if, if you were to find a way to limit testing or, or you know, it would be a little bit more inclusive series you might see more people bumping in and out of the top series, as opposed to all the same guys pretty much all the time. There's probably a group of drivers that don't even entertain it because of the, they know the time commitment. Uh, hand raises. I don't think I have the talent either, but yeah, I know I don't want to put the time in. Um, have, have you considered the, what the reason is they uh, put, uh, they put the limits on testing? Was it because the drivers are complaining? No, no the owners and cost and yeah, money. Nest, yeah, money. money. It doesn't cost money for the for the online races to test. So, and I mean, they can test offline. I don't see how you could ever put this to a limit. Um, so, the, um, you're just going to have to have people who want to put the time in. And I mean, but that's that's why it's paying, right? They're turning it into their job, and some some people will maintain the passion for that. Some people won't. And it's also good to have people coming in and out. So um, I th- I think it's rough, but I, th- I think it's just that's how it is if you want to get to the top level. And all of those guys that reach the top level in Cup, they put crazy, insane hours in in the lower ranks, too, before they got up to where the testing rules are really strict. Yeah, um, I, I, I guess... I guess come I come this as at this at a more humanitarian side where, you know, does iRacing want these guys who are, you know, automatons just just uh you know, just racing in the rig all the time, you know, is that something that they wanna promote, you know, or do they want more well rounded, uh more well rounded people who are doing this? Uh I don't know. That's that's kind of kind well, of where I'm coming unless at. Unless they're gonna put them on the payroll you know, and pay up a paycheck, they need to give them enough time to, have, you know, go out and make a living, you know? But that's already the case, right? Um, that, I mean, right. right right now, the lower end is probably not to the point where they, where they can can go home, but, but, but the champ, you know, he, he could, if he spends that wisely, invests it wisely, he won't have to work for a while. The next thing we do have as we were talking about the release of the track earlier is the patch notes. And if you glance at the patch notes, there's really just a lot of minor things. And then there's kind of three highlights. The first one is there was a lot of change to the dirt sprint car. Uh, they changed, they increased the engine and power. They adjusted the tires. They've changed the aerodynamics, um, trying to deal with a pitch sensitivity issue. Uh, they've also set something where the opponent vehicle settings have been adjusted to reduce the visual warping that could sometimes be seen. And they also updated the setup. The most notable thing in the, uh, in the cup car is that the aerodynamic shifting in the draft at super speedways has been reduced, especially for oversteer. I guess that means, uh, when it's, when the wind is pushing you left or right, essentially, um, that's an interesting change considering the car is done running at super speedways. Then the biggie, obviously, is the Phoenix track. And AI available now at Phoenix. Um, So I think that's the first time we've we've gotten a track where AI is ready to go out out of the box. Well, as soon as it comes out of the box, are you going to be buying this next thing uh, here, Mike? Well, I don't know, because I already have one, so probably not. But uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. tweeted an early rendering of the 87 
Buick LeSabre and gave some reasons why it was chosen over the most over the more popular Pontiac. Um, the reason I wanted this car over the more popular 87 Pontiac, the Buick could easily be an Olds as well, so kind of two for one. My first car yeah. was a Buick. Yeah, if you remember, they had like a, a, a while ago, they had a, like three different classic 87 stock cars and uh, basically were polling people what their favorite was. And I think the Pontiac was actually the winner of the poll, but they it seems like they decided to go against it um and this might have been part of the reason is that you can almost get two different you can get two cars for the price of one basically um by scanning the the uh, Buick LeSabre you can get the olds as well i don't get it so you're just saying paint it differently and it's an oldsmobile yeah i mean the, it, it, that's what Junior was saying in his tweet. He said the Buick could easily be an Olds as well. So it must be pretty simple if, or, or so similar that, you know, it would take either very minor tweaks or something like that, or maybe just cosmetic uh, paint tweaks to, to turn it from one to the other. Yeah, I don't know enough about the differences between them to tell you what they are, but I'm sure he knows. Remember, there used to be the Mercury and Ford that were literally the same car with different nameplates? Yeah. So I wonder who, what car did they scan? You know, we were speculating about, um, remember we were talking on one show, everyone was sending pictures to Dale of where he should go and scan the car and suggesting different places where different museums and different places these cars are at. Um, so I'm curious, uh, which one actually is, is it? All right, Brian, tell us about the Grand Prix this weekend. Yeah, this is, uh, this is from last week. Uh, this was round number six for the Force Dynamics Delara iRacing Grand Prix Championships. And this was at the Hockenheim Ring. And the winner for the third straight week in a row was Martin Van Lusenord. And so, uh, so this is his third consecutive win, his fourth win in six rounds. Um, and uh, he takes over sole position of the standings, the lead in the stand league standings um the series championship standings uh he was actually uh tied for it going into this round because one of the races that um earlier in the year he got no points in he finished really low so but uh with this win man he's really started to dominate the series the points don't show how dominant he's been because of the one poor week but uh man winning winning four out of six races is uh top notch so uh, we're going to catch up with him again at round seven. And I believe they come to the States this time. I think Road America is going to be round seven. So we'll keep an eye on that. See if he goes for four in a row. So a four-peat for, uh, for old Martin there. Are, is this crew, these guys that are running this championship, are these going to be the guys in the Formula One series next year? Uh, you know, I'm kind of wondering, you know, what's going to happen in 2022 with Open Wheel Championship? Is it going to be this car? Is it going to be the new Mercedes car? Is it going to be the 2022 model, the 2021 model? I think that's still an open question. Though you could speculate that that the uh, other than those that get relegated, they'd probably keep the top guys from this and move them over to the F1 car if that's the route they go. Yeah, nothing's been obviously. It's a little premature. The car hasn't even been released yet, but um, obviously that's going to be a big question: how how they're going to handle this World uh, Grand Prix Championship Series. You know, are they going to keep it in the Delara IR01 or switch over to the uh, Mercedes? Um, now, 
it would be it would be nice to have different manufacturers in that series if they do switch over to uh the mercedes but you know that's the as of right now we we, we already know that that's the only one that we know of that they've been working on but i think that i think a grand prix in that series would be a little bit more uh com- compelling if they did have multiple manufacturers well, we have one more news topic. I'll hit it up pretty quick. It's actually just an event reminder that we have the uh, Suzuka 10 Hours coming up by by uh, iRacing very shortly. It is the GT3 cars in at Suzuka, and it's November 5th through 7th, the kind of standard special event start times. Okay, and then podcast housekeeping. Don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Uh, what was the last one? A train wreck? Yeah, it kind of sounded that way. But, uh, yeah, it's kind of fun to listen to. Check it out. Don't forget our iRacersLounge.com, our website. Uh, Again, a thank you to GridFinder and their sponsorship. Uh, That really allowed us to take off with this website this year in 2021, and it's been a huge success. Uh, Again, thank you to them. Don't forget uh, we're in Performance Motorsports Network. One quick side note. I'll have that train wreck straightened out here in the next few weeks. Just give it some time. While we're talking podcast helping notes, why don't we go ahead? Or, I don't know what just came out, but I don't think it's the right <laughs> words. Um, while we're talking housekeeping notes, let's just go ahead and announce that our uh, we, we've talked a guy into to fi- we finally roped him into taking the uh, role on. Uh, Kyle is going to be our social media or chief of socials. Uh, we, we're going to call it uh, now. I thought it was. Uh, executive director of public relations. That's funny. I thought it was chief of socials. And uh, yeah, <laughs> you're going to help be, out on the aftermath too a little bit, Kyle. So good luck, uh, uh, you know, herding the cats, as I call it. Oh yeah, it's definitely herding cats. Podcast Fantasy League in a casual setting. All right, guys. So in uh, the fantasy world here, the championship. It's got two rounds left. Uh, Kansas was last week. Uh, Res Dog was leading the point standings by 30 points over uh, our own Terry Groves. And uh, the winner of the week in Kansas was Res Dog. He took the overall lead, overall win at, at uh, Kansas. Tony Groves was 28 points behind in fifth place. So Res Dog opens up a 58-point lead with two weeks to go. So uh, that's going to be a tough one to overcome. Tony was probably looking for a better result last week at Kansas, and he sure didn't want Res Dog to win Kansas. But uh, that's what happened. Uh, that's a clutch win. I mean, clutch. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That is a big win. So Tony's got to make up 58 points in two weeks. That's really going to be tough to do. Um, Although Martinsville can kind of be a a wild card. There's so much craziness can happen in Martinsville, especially with with it being a, 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 you know, a closeout week uh, to uh, to advance to the final four. I mean, almost anything could happen. So you can see somebody dropping a lot of points if the wrong things happen to the wrong drivers. So uh, so it's not, not over yet. I'm sure Tony's going to put in his best best effort for the for Martinsville. So uh, uh, we have also in the top 10 uh, overall, Jedi McFly, Chris Gales is in eighth. Uh, Frozen Cactus Greg dropped to 11th. Stephen Llewellyn 12th. And Tony the Tiger Rochette. 13th so uh and uh tyler williamson he dropped the 16th 
So it looks like the best of the rest right now goes to Chris Scales in eighth place. And uh, we'll see who, who can pull out the best of the rest uh, championship because that's all we're fighting for uh, as compared to Tony, who's, who's way ahead of everybody. I know he was mad I wrote him off already in this championship. Um, but I'll stand by those words. I, I think Res Dog has got it in the bag uh, with his clutch win at Kansas. Um, two weeks left, 28 points. That's going to be tough unless Res Dog just totally, totally blows it. You know? Yeah, you're right. And like I said, I think I think his Hail Mary is Martinsville being such a unpredictable race. Um, so we'll, we'll see how, how it goes. It, it, it it's not impossible, but it's not going to be easy. And I think the championship week uh, will be a little bit more formal, 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 wow, I can't say that word, but uh, it's going to, it's going to go back to uh, a little bit more predictability on championship week. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Our first hardware item is the Podium GT World Challenge. Actually, it's um, the, it's their wheel rim from Fanatec. But what's really new is that it's eighty dollars off the normal retail price, so it's on sale. Wow, still a lot of money six hundred twenty nine ninety five. Yeah, it's a nice rim. I I probably might have even picked this one over the old Porsche rim I grabbed. Uh, a lot of button selection, including the rotaries that you need. In fact, it's, in some ways, it's almost got better selection than than the Porsche rim uh, and it also has the advanced pedal modules on the back it's got to I can't see the uh, side view oh, it's just two it's two instead of three like the formula rim has but that means you can do stuff like uh, use your hand clutch instead of a instead of a foot clutch which is really handy for doing stuff like launching out of pit road I would 100% pick this you know when I bought my DB1 if it was available then because um, the one I ended up with was just crap. Um, this is really four different products put together as a package. It's the uh, the wheel itself, the podium hub, which I just bought, and then that button box that you described, and then the advanced uh, pedal module as well. So all four pieces together, six twenty nine ninety five. Basically, like you said, eighty bucks off if you buy everything separately. Now, another thing that those those analog pedals can be used for is if your brake does fail, like, you know, or your gas, like when I broke my gas on my V3s, um, you can actually use those as gas and brake. <laughs> it's hard, but it, uh, I tried to do it at, uh, I think, uh, Indianapolis Road Course. It was rough. You got the next one, Mike. We got 3D Wrap Ingasha Pro Pedals Review by Barry Rowland over at Sim Racing Garage. And um, he goes through his normal uh, thorough review. And uh, I don't know if it's a got it or not on this one. Uh, you know, he, he said that some of the parts, you know, weren't polished, you know. They had little burrs on them, little metal burrs and different things like that. And But uh, overall, I mean, it's, it's your normal load cell kind of pedal. Uh, there's a lot of metal pieces, but the plastic pieces are 3D printed, and so that's why this company uh, is selling these, I guess. So they, they've, you know, they look pretty nice. What do you think? I didn't see a price yet. I'm still looking for that. On almost all the hardware stuff, I almost just kind of defer to Barry's opinion because he actually gets to try them out. Yeah, I found the price uh, 549 to 649 euros. 
and then the bass played 100. It's really too bad, though, on this next one that none of our uh, over-the-road guys are present. Yeah, I was uh, I was saving this one for Greg, but he couldn't be with us today. But so uh, this is actually from iRacing Drivers World, and it was a post of Jarrett Snaps rig within a rig. So uh, so he has a, a racing rig set up in the back of his over over the road uh, truck. So when he's uh, at his rest stops and stuff like that, uh, he can fire up the simulator. And, and do some more driving because uh he didn't get enough all day long every day pretty much but uh but yeah really cool to see somebody who's just dedicated to uh to the sim and uh he goes ahead and, and takes care of business while he's out on the road yeah i'm looking at his setup here and it's almost like a lawn chair like a folding lawn chair uh but it reclines back but he, he's got fashion to the handles where you would lay your arms naturally uh right where your wrist would be he's got attached uh, metal bars that come up and come to the middle where the wheel mounts and so the wheel is right there and mounts to the folding uh lawn chair so to speak uh the pedal tray is attached to the lawn chair so it doesn't slide around and move uh with some metal metal bars as well so it's a pretty solid design for being so, you know, minimalistic. I think that that chair is, is not fashioned. I think it comes that way. I think it's actually a purchasable item. Yeah, it's built like that, right? It's got that formula layback uh, look to it, right, for and, formula seating. And also look at the headrest. That looks kind of like a, a racing style. Play headrest. seat. It could be a play seat, mod some kind of modded play seat maybe. Yeah, but it leans back and it's in position. I, I don't think you'd want to put a DDD on this rig, but uh, it, it's, it it definitely works for being out on the road. Yeah, it's just a, like a, a folding table that he's got his monitor on, just a single monitor. He's got his mouse and keyboard there, uh, all very accessible. Um, you know, and I imagine he's got to be able to break this down pretty quick to to access his bed and stuff like that for when he's uh, when he's sleeping over. Um, but um, I think it looks like a looks like a Logitech, maybe a G twenty seven or something like that. Um, but yeah, so cool. Um, now I'm assuming he's probably using a hotspot for his internet provider. I I don't know of any other way that could be done, really, uh, when you're over the road like that. Yeah, and I've I've raced with a guy before that's successfully done that, and obviously Brian, you do that all the time. Correct. That's my main internet source. Yes. Um, you know, I, I'm a little lucky because I live in such a rural area. I don't get a lot of interference from uh, from overuse uh, in the area, which could slow me down, especially once I hit my uh, limit of uh, of unlimited data. Um, I would be concerned that if I was in a place that was a that was a high dense densely uh, populated area that if you ran out of unlimited data and they start throttling you back based on the, uh, the consumption in the area, a high, high populated place might slow them down a little bit, but I think he can probably be okay for the most part. Yeah. And he probably can find Wi-Fi to hit sometimes if he's in more dense, densely populated areas, as far as your home location. Uh, you know, if you're, if you're in a densely population area, you're going to have access to fiber or cable. It's interesting. I find it interesting that you're in you're in Pennsylvania. I know which state you live in now, <laughs> and I'm in Arkansas, in just a small town of twenty thousand, and I've actually got fiber optic. Yeah, 
I got about 20,000 cows around. So does that count? Um, we got, we got some of that in, in on, on the ridge. There's this place, there's this little ridge, but otherwise it's all rice and, and, uh, wheat. And I do have the next one. This is a PSA for CSLDD owners. Uh, basically delete all of your Fanatec drivers when you install your DD. There's a pretty good chance that some of the older drivers are not successfully getting purged when, when the DD drivers are getting installed and it's causing issues. Uh, Ryan T. Everly posted um, it in Sim Racing on Facebook that uh, he, he ran into the issue, but when he deleted the, C2, the CSW 2.5 drivers, his drive started working just fine. Yeah, David, I, I think this actually probably is also if you're if you're upgrading from a CSW to any of the direct drive uh, DD1 or two, because um, when I did that, I had a, I had did have to wind up dumping all of my uh, Fanatec software in order to get it to work right. Um, so this probably is the case for any upgrade from a CSW to a direct drive wheel. Is uh, the best uh, the best thing to do is just. Uh, totally uh, remove all that stuff and then just do it from scratch. Um, but apparently that, that issue is the same with the CSL DD as well. Well, when I got my DD1, I don't remember having a problem, but I don't remember if I deleted the drivers or not. I don't remember if that was a recommended procedure back then. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I it drove me crazy for a couple of days trying to get it set up till I finally got some uh, online help from Fanatec. And uh, that's the first thing they told me to do is just wipe everything out and start over. All right, Mike, or not Mike, Brian, you got the next one, the Oval Racing Cluster. Yeah, this is from Rise Incorporated, and it's um, initialed R-I-S-E with, uh, with uh, periods after each letter. Uh, Rise Industries, they introduced their uh, upcoming Oval Racing Cluster. It's uh, 15 total inputs, and the action can be bounded in game and out. It has a seven-way funky switch, a two-position uh, mom, and toggle, a two-position toggle, and a three-input encoder, and uh, three LED all-metal buttons. So it's not a huge button box, but it does give you a lot of uh, options for this little uh, box here. Um, if it's, uh, if it, to me, it would be a really good addition to uh, to any 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 system you have. Even if you already have some box and you want just a little bit extra, uh, having this thing off to the side would probably do a really good job of uh, just those couple other little things you might want to map. Well, if you scroll on the picture set and go to the later pictures in the picture set, you'll see that they zip tied it to a wheel to an oval wheel and they're using it for like push to talk. And it, that's a fascinating uh, use for that. I mean, if you want a, a push to talk on an oval wheel, this is really nice because it, not only do you have a push to talk, you have additional buttons, you got the joystick, you got the little rotator. And so there's several things that you can just reach, you know, while your hand is still on the wheel. Yeah, and it's, it's small enough that you could mount it on the wheel if you wanted to. Uh, it looks like it's on an MPI wheel in that picture that you're talking about, Mike. Um, it looks a little bulky to be on the wheel, but if that's something that you can deal with just to get your uh, push-to-talk set up, um, it's not, not a bad option. It just says, stay tuned for more. So I don't know if it's for sale yet or not, but this is Rise Inc. The next one is Intel Alder Lake 12XXX Release Thread. 
Philip, Philip Morton uh, posted in the forums that the new Alder Lake uh, CPUs are looking very tasty for iRacing. Single core performance has been seen to breach the 800 point mark in CPU Z and single core, and its multi core is pretty solid too. Due to the big little design, it doesn't equate in the same way as previous CPUs, though. And we got a video uh, about this uh, as well. Um, we found on YouTube about Intel overhauls their CPUs. And I guess if you're building, I guess this is the way to go. I haven't been following this because I haven't needed to build for a while. And when yeah, the question is, build, a, can you get it? That's what I was going to say. The question is availability. Because if you're getting, going to build, um, it's going to be hard to find a lot of the components you might need. Um, I'm actually starting to start consider a, a build for myself. And um, yeah, it's just, it's just so hard to find stuff. And that's not, price gouged out of out of ridiculous uh or out of ridiculousness that i can't really see to do it just yet you know this the supply situation is just crazy all over the place i talked with my athletic director today and we're ordering new uniforms and i said we don't have to order them till about march and he said no let's go ahead and order them now because of the way everything keeps getting delayed and uh price increasing too so get it while it's cheap how about a rig tour, David? Yeah, this thing is nice. We've got one um, on, let me pull up the channel so I can tell you a little bit about this guy because I've watched the video, but I don't remember much about the guy. We, this came in from a listener, but I forget who. Yeah, it came in from a listener um, and you, you put the listener's message, but you didn't, I guess, put his name. But it's on, this video is on Race Beyond Matter and it's just an insane rig. The guy owns every rim I think you could own. He has like the he has basically every sports car rim. Um, he's got Huskinville pedals. He's got triple monitors with the bezel monitors. Uh, the seats are a real nice seat. Uh, the computer is an insane gaming computer. He has window net that he puts up once he gets in the seat beside him on both sides, and um, just the way he's in the position, it just it looks with the, when he has the lights off in the room, it looks like he's in the car. It's it's pretty amazing. So the window net on the right, I think, is permanent. The one on the left, it moves in and out so he can get in the seat, I think. But it really does add something to it. And the one on the left, I mean, when it when you look at it in place, it looks, you know, solid. It looks like it's attached. It looks like it's part of everything. But then, like, when he moves it out of the way and gets out of the way, it's it's like literally PVC pipe and... And he's got this, you know, window net stretched across it, and he just—it's not attached to anything. He just kind of lays it in place, and it's just kind of sitting there. But uh, he talks about how he made the window net. Those window nets are not uh, actual racing window nets. He made those from scratch, actually, and uh, put in the uh, the logos on them and all that other stuff to make them look cool. I wonder if when he's in an accident, he goes ahead and drops him to let his crew know he's okay. <laughs> and then the, uh, okay, so what he does about the dash and the the uh, treatment around the button box area to make a dash, I mean, he, he's literally using like cardboard box and stuff like that. And then he puts this black felt stuff over it. And he basically saying, you know, make everything as black as you can. And uh, and he kind of just formulated a dash and 
stuff with this material that he has. And it's a fascinating idea. So you definitely should come onto the site and check that video out. Um, we have the play seat trophy racing seat coming up, Brian. Let's tell Let's hear a little bit about that. Yeah, this thing's coming out soon from PlaySeat. It's the trophy racing seat. Um, and, you know, it's it's really a whole whole rig, um, and uh, it's direct direct drive compliant or compatible. Um, it's a tubular style with a kind of a. I would say it's closer to a GT style uh, seating position than a than a uh, yeah than a formula style. Um, yeah, it's kind of got an odd shape to the bottom, where the uh, the tubular looks like an upside down V, um, and then the the tube wraps around and comes up to the steering uh, box. Uh, so, yeah, it's, uh, I don't see an easy place to put a monitor yet. So I'm assuming there might be some monitor uh, options available at some point. Uh, of course, VR wouldn't be a problem with that, but but uh, a monitor would uh, would need to be a something you need to figure out how to get that mounted in. Uh, it looks fairly sturdy for a uh, play seat, play seat. Uh, and, uh, you know, we never know once you get a, a direct drive on there, how, 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 how well it's, uh, how stable it is under all those kind of forces, but it's not a bad looking seat. Um, I would say that, uh, I didn't get a price on it yet, so I'm not sure exactly what it's running. Um, so I'll try to figure that a definite positive with this rig is they don't have the post in the middle, uh, which is always a good thing. And yeah, those, those posts the, run around uh, the outside of your legs and come up to the to this uh, to the steering wheel. So yeah, I think the thing with this is it's it's a play seat, but for deep, for direct drive, it's the really thick tubular style. And, and it's, you know, it's built where it can withstand a DD1, a DD2 and whatnot and, and not, you know, rattle itself to the ground. The problem with this rig to me is like, where's, where do you put your keyboard? Where do you put your mouse? Where do you put your drink? You know, where do you put your button box? Where do you put your shifter? Where, where do you, do you put adjust everything? It? Yeah, no adjustment. Adjust right. You can't say uh, uh, I'm six foot tall or I'm five foot tall, you know, uh, yeah. The height of the steering wheel, there's no adjustment there at all. At all, I mean, there's nothing. It looks like you might be able to tilt it, but that's probably about it. And you're not going to get any uh, other kind of seat on there. It's not like that kind of uh, adjustable. It's pretty much a, a one-shot deal. Here's, here's your rig type of deal. Where's Tony when you need him to talk about this? Now, when you watch their little teaser video, um, 35 seconds, I find it interesting that for a split second in the first 10 seconds, they show a picture of Max Verstappen walking, you know, in his full helmet and suit and everything. I don't know why, but, but they do show a picture of Max Verstappen. <laughs> Cause they can, I guess, but that's not him on the, on the rig testing no. it out. Okay. So this next one is fascinating. We have an interview with uh, Gomez of Gomez Sim Industries. I actually didn't catch his full name there, but it is an interesting interview to get to know this person a little bit um, and see who he is, see his workspace. You can see right where he works on his wheel. And uh, it's interesting. Um, he has three or four other people that work with him building wheels. Uh, he personally does build 
wheels as well. Um, and if you're interested in buying one of these wheels from him, I would definitely advise you to check out the video because you're going to learn a lot about his ethics, about how he builds, um, his troubleshooting. Um, he talks about customer service. For example, uh, I think we talked about on a previous show that this guy is building wheels on his Twitch channel. So you could like go watch Twitch every day and watch him build your wheel. Like you can order it and then later watch him build it. But uh, he was saying even on the Twitch channel, uh, he's had customers come on that had recently bought a wheel and they have some kind of small problem. They come onto the chat, they ask a question. He, he stops what he's doing and, and resolves the customer's question right there, then and there. And that's the kind of customer service that he provides. And um, it's very interesting. And it's something you get from my experience with the with these smaller but higher end uh, providers is because because their volume is smaller, they can give each individual customer a lot more attention. Whereas, you know, it's basically kind of like going going from the corner novelty shop to the um, to Walmart. You're not going to get the same customer service. Now, and and these they they make some of the the finest looking rims um, you can get anywhere. It's an American company. I, I believe he said he was from Texas um, in the interview. Um, so that's really cool too. Um, but man, and they've got some really good, um, really good references. You know, he's the guy who does the ones for Tony Kanan. So, and somebody else too. I can't remember who it was, but they're making special editions for these uh, uh, real life drivers that use use his rim. Well, just two days ago, he uh, he put on his socials, uh, "Welcome, Rubens Barrichello to the Gomez family." Uh, he did a custom FPE with the new V2 Gomez shifters, and uh, it's a beautiful wheel for Rubens. Uh, it's got uh, a mix of blue and gold colors um, on the dials and wheel. Um, beautiful wheel. Also, the video talks a bit about um, his relationship with Tony Kanon. Uh, he said... Tony came in as a as a buyer, just as a regular customer, uh, placing orders, and he's placed a lot of orders, not just one. He's bought many wheels from uh, from this place, and um, they did end up meeting in person. And he talked a little bit about that, and it was a neat story. That's really cool. And uh, so the original the interview was on the Simpit, right? With uh, yeah, with, with Sean, Cole. Sean Cole. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Sean. Great video. You can see how how excited Sean was to have him on there too. That was pretty cool. Like a kid in the candy store look, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that enthusiasm rubs off too, and that's why this video was so much fun to watch. I think. Yeah. If, if I wasn't in VR, I'd, I'd save up for one of these, but I think you lose quite a bit being in VR. Yeah, that's that's kind of something that when I'm looking at the, at the next item we're covering, that I don't know if it would be very useful in VR either. Hey, y'all taking a look at this company review here, the Sim Panel uh, from this company, Sim Panel. That's who they are, simpanel.com. Yeah, it's a it's a different kind of button box because it's, you know, like those flat buttons that, you know, they, they might, you know, push in just a tiny bit, yeah. but the whole thing is kind of flat, I guess, is how you describe it. 
it's got uh, three knobs and then a bunch of of just flat panels that you might see. Um, I'm trying to think of what kind of hardware typically uses these kind of buttons. Where would you see this in real life? Just like a stream deck use something like that? Yeah, kind of. Um, so the biggest issue I would have with it is you can't really, if your vision's blocked, can you, you, you can't really use tactile to locate your buttons very well, I don't think. It'd be hard to feel where the buttons are on this because yeah. it's so flat. Yeah, exactly. But I think, I think their take on it is it's reprogrammable depending on what sim you're in. So like you can program it one way for your iRacing and another way for your flight sim and so forth. That's all done within the sim anyway, right? That's all, so that's, that's nothing special. The, uh, any set of buttons can be set to any command you want them to. Uh, but what what I actually got found more interesting on this website was the other two items, and I really yeah, wish, I agree. I really, I really wish Craig was here because I want him to tell me about these other two but um, items. There's a there's a whole truck sim design that has air air brake knob on it, and I don't know what the red one is. Um, I can't really see it. I know what the air. But it's got is. the CB radio. It's got it's got a CB microphone radio thing and quite a quite a few buttons. The, ye the yellow square is, is your your air brakes. That's that's basically your parking brake. Um, and, the, and the red one's got to be some kind of emergency type thing. And then there's this knob shifter knob that you can drop on top of it for Truck Simulator Two, and it looks like a it looks more like a fighter joystick. Pretty cool. Yeah, the CV radio box thing. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Well, we talked last week about the V3 pedals and a way to adjust them. And Kyle went and immediately did it. And he's going to tell us how his experience went. And he made a video. Yeah, I made a short little video about it. Uh, actually, it went a lot better than I thought it was going to. I was a little skeptical at first um, just because I didn't think my pedals could get any better than what they were. But uh, what I ended up doing was I ended up taking the pedals apart, and it wasn't easy, actually. It was kind of a pain to get the pin out. The guy who went it before me, I guess, never lubed it, and I never knew to lube it, so it was stuck. So I was able to get it apart, and when I opened it up, I found out there was the original little whitish, yellowish, creamy-looking foam pad in the bottom, and then I believe it was a green and a red. And so they're all different uh, stiffnesses. So I took all those out, put two big solid green ones in, and took another green one and cut it in half and shoved it in there. And before, I didn't realize how much brake travel I was actually having until I did this. And now I realize how much brake travel I don't have and how I can feel the pedal a lot better now by doing it. So it really did make a big improvement. And then my road course driving, it made even bigger improvement to where I wasn't just constantly locking them up into every corner. Nice. Yeah, that's what you need in the brake. It's it's a little bit different with throttle because you want with throttle control you you want to feel the travel as well. But with brake, you want it to be basically where you have to really use your muscles and to feel how deep you're pressing it. And um, so I, I knew you'd be impressed with it once you did it. And in the same kind of the same way that I, with when I upgraded after my V3s broke, how much better I, I'm doing at Martinsville this week. Uh, I didn't lock the brakes up, I don't think, once in the NIS race. Yeah, and I will say, if for ones that do have the V3 pedals, if you don't have the gas dampener for the uh, gas pedal, I highly suggest getting it. It's been on here since before I bought it. And instead of just having a floppy pedal that you just can easily just mash, this has some resistance, so you have a lot better throttle control as well. So I do recommend that upgrade as well if you don't already have it. 
And you can actually customize that to yeah. preferred stiffness. Yep. And you made a short video on how to do this uh, to make it real easy. And how do they get that? Um, actually, I didn't make a video on how to do it. Uh, it was more or less just kind of a uh, just a way of me saying that I did it, and it's actually been you know quite pleasantly a lot I better. See. Cool. All right. So next up, the thirty ninety Ti is going to be a thing, and so we have a post in the forums here about it and apparently it's going to require 450 watts of power from your psu um, so you better get out there and find those big old psus um yeah that's that's kind of interesting because did they just recently announce the, the 4000 series uh you know is, is going to be coming relatively soon um which of course, you know, with the supply issues we'd already talked about, who knows what that would that even means? But um, the thirty ninety Ti is going to, I mean, it's going to be a crazy fast card, I would think. Yeah, Philip's Mort, Philip Morton in the forums, who's our go to hardware source, uh, he said, "Hey, if anyone's planning on going for this ultimate in space heater GPU, please be sure to have a power supply that can cope." It's going to be a crazy card. The cooling is going to be strained to the limit. And this will be one of the few times I would recommend pushing you to water cooling for such a beast as it's better at removing that much heat from the die than normal air cooling. So he's saying you're going to have to have a beefy power supply and you're going to probably need to do water cooling on the card. Well, Brian, would you need that card to run this VR? Um, well, short answer is not really. You don't have to. Um, okay, this is uh, called the Varho Aero VR headset. Now, uh, we did do a uh, review of a Varho um, a product a little while ago called the uh, XR3, which is a, like a real high-end VR headset. Um, they did it, and and the the image was fantastic. You know, um, really high resolution, the highest resolution VR headset out there. That you know, bar none. Uh, the only problem with it was it was like a commercial product. Uh, it it was really expensive, and you had to pay a yearly fee to use it. So, you know, it's one of those weird weird products where you actually had to pay yearly, which I imagine they can do in those commercial instances. And I remember when reviewing that, I was like, it would be really nice to have a commercial version of it. Well, heck, we got one now. So this is the new Voro. Uh, this is called the Aero. Again, really high resolution. Uh, it was like over 2,500 pixels by 2,500 per eye, which is, uh, you know, higher than the HP reverb, which was the current king as far as resolution goes, which is, uh, you know, that was 2180, I think, 2160 per eye, 2160. Um, so, you know, the resolution's better. It has a little bit wider uh, field of view than the HP, uh, the HP reverb G2. Um, the lenses are really nice. There's no God rays at all. Uh, 
Um, so he did say that the head strap was just a little awkward. Took a little a long time for him to really dial in the head strap to where he wanted it. The audio is really subpar, to be honest with you. It's it's literally just a pair of uh, of uh, corded earbuds that plug into the unit, you know, through a standard three millimeter jack. So um, you know, you really have to use over the ear headphones to really get decent sound on it that wasn't really their main push uh, so this piece is running two grand so just under two thousand dollars for this headset it uses outside lighthouse tracking so if you don't have the outside lighthouse like the uh, like some of the other units do uh you you got to get that lighthouse system, and it doesn't come with any hand heads handsets either. So if you like, if you're playing games other than simulators, you know you're gonna need to get like uh, those uh, hand controllers. So if you don't have any of that stuff, you're looking at another seven eight hundred dollars to get fully upgraded and ready to go with this thing. So, uh, but the uh, the performance uh, you could your minimum was a twenty eighty they recommended for a graphics card. So it wasn't like crazy high end as far as graphic card goes. So if you're if you want to put out that kind of money to get the top, top, top notch of of a resolution in a VR headset, you know, this is where where it's at right now, the Varho Arrow. Wow. It is some mini LED displays. You can, they're taking orders now and it ships within three to four months of purchase. And I, you know, right now, if you were to buy the best one on the market, this is probably it. I mean, but the price is very telling too. Yeah. Yeah. If you already have like a valve index and the lighthouse boxes and you can get away with just buying the, uh, the headset without all that stuff, you know, you're, you're still about two grand plus. Uh, so it's, it's up there for sure. Um, you can watch a full review of this on uh, the MR TV, Mixed Reality TV YouTube channel. He does a full review, and uh, it really gives you the break stamp pretty good. He's the go-to source for VR, isn't he? He's been just gold. Yeah, he he tests a lot of different things, and he really puts it through a lot of different uh, uh, of tests, like uh through the through the lens tests and stuff like that so you can see what what uh what you're actually going to get so yeah he he has a lot of knowledge and has used a lot of different headsets all right pretty cool david this next one uh tony gross sent in when he was over uh perusing all his uh kickstarters and he sent us this kickstarter yeah it's the em power um it's an all-in-one motion rig that's, that's basically already ready to go. Uh, I glanced through the video. It's tubular. Um, and when Brian, if you can take a look through here, when you see the actuators, it doesn't seem to have a whole lot of travel. That was kind of the first thing that I noticed, that it was that it seemed pretty minimal. Just that yeah, minute. I did too. And they're not, not very beefy looking. I don't know if that makes a huge difference because that's a pretty big platform that it's sitting on there. Uh, but yeah, it didn't look like a whole lot of travel on those. It'll give you a feel for, for movement, but it's not going to throw you around a whole lot if that's what you're looking for. And um, I guess this is, I mean, this is a fundraiser, so we don't have a price or anything yet, but they, they set a 10,000 go for their, for their uh, Kickstarter and they've hit 54K. So I think they hit their goal. I don't know. I mean, if you're going to do motion and all that, I mean, are you going to pick a tubular rig? I don't know. Maybe. I, I just don't think we favor the tubular rigs because they don't, they just don't offer the advantages that you get from 
from most of the other rigs, especially the 8020s. But even some of the wooden rigs seem to have more versatility than than the tubular ones. Adjustability, you know, the ability to make adjustments and add stuff on. You know, yeah. Yeah. This to me seems like more like a made for consoles than, than even computers, uh, just because the console, you know, computer uh, racing gives you so much more flexibility with peripherals, and that's where you start really losing out on on rigs that don't have uh, the customizability uh, that like eighty twenties do. And uh, go ahead. I, I was going to say another thing is the monitor looks like it's a little too far away as well. Um, and no, no ability for triples, as far as I could see. And, and stationary. Yeah, and if you watch the the uh, promo video, even it looks to be more marketed to to the console gamer versus a sim true sim racer. All right. Next up, I uh, found this race flag LED display, and it's from RaceBoxSimRacing.com. They offer a simple but highly effective race flag LED display for $84. I, I like it because it's got that carbon fiber look. It's got a, like a almost a metal looking surround, but it, it might be a 3D printed. Uh, it does have a, a couple buttons on it and a knob as well uh, below the uh, actual flag. And obviously the flag LED will flash yellow on caution and green on go and and checker and so forth. Uh, and that's the idea. This has a look to it that I kind of like. And, it, you know, if you mount that somewhere on the on the rig just for look, um, I've always kind of been a, a, against the eye flag and stuff just because they look so 3D printed. This one doesn't. Yeah, I kind of like this. And, and um, you know, this is something I could even use because It'll it'll let people know around me when I'm in a caution. Like if I tell my <laughs> wife and I'm racing in VR, and I was like, "Don't let, don't interrupt me if it's green. You can interrupt interrupt me, tap me on the shoulder if it's yellow, uh, but uh, if it's green, leave me alone." That'd be perfect for that. Mike needs one of those on his door to the room. <laughs> exactly. Just get Stay a really out. long US, really long USB cord, post it on the door outside. The actually, that's what we, you know how in studios uh, when you're filming, yeah. you have the you have the red light that kicks on whenever they're filming. He just needs yeah. one of those spinning red lights that and the little buzzer that goes off that just says <laughs> "Stay, awesome. stay the f out." Like like they have on air on studio shows and stuff like that. On air, don't do not disturb. That but kind yeah, of stuff so, can be done. Yeah, I'm sure. So yeah, I think it's a really cool little device. It's not going to break the bank by any means, but um, it'll it'll just definitely get the job done. And it's got I looked on the website. It's got like a lot of different colors that it offers. Almost almost tons of different colors that you can program it for. I think it runs through SimHub as well. So. Um, uh, you, if you uh, you have SimHub for something else, if not, it's a free program, so you can use that. I would say it's the best looking uh, iFlag I've seen yet, just because of the way it's enclosed and whatnot. Okay, one more, Brian. We got a wheel emulator. Yeah, this is um was uh basically on a YouTube channel from Teggles Does Sim Racing. That's the name of his YouTube channel. T e q q l e s Teckles. 
Um, so he breaks down the SRM, which is a sim racing um, sim racing manufacturer. It's a wheel Fanatec wheel emulator. So you can use this on your Fanatec device. It's got the quick release that would go into your uh, into your direct drive wheel. Um, even the um, CSW 2.5 would work with that too. But it allows you to use pretty much any uh, USB-based uh, rim to go on your Fanatec, uh, Fanatec wheelbase. Um, so it's, a, it's got uh, two different patterns for different wheel rims, so it should cover just about any of them. Um, so, yeah, so it's, it's a pretty cool, cool little item. Um, I think I saw that it was like under 100 pounds, British pounds. So uh, it's, it's certainly a lot less than uh, the, the uh, podium, uh, podium hub that Fanatec offers. But this well, thing lets this you This is use, just a clone of that, right? It's, it's really similar, but it lets you use other manufacturer wheels with it. That's the deal, I think, right? Well, the only uh, thing I have wrong with this is the, is the title. Emulator is really more of a software thing. Um, this is an adapter. It's kind of a universal adapter for for rims onto a Fanatec wheel, right? Well, doesn't uh, Fanatec have to make some kind of you know connection between the hub and the the base before it, is, it allows it to work? And so that maybe that's what the emulator part is about. It's emulating yeah, that, that connection. I think the emulator is. You know, if you just had a hub on there that snapped onto any USB wheel, you're not going to get like force feedback and stuff. Well, this lets you still get the force feedback feels from the Fanatec wheelbase um, and let you use a different rim on top of it. So that's, I think that's where the emulator part comes from. Um, I also looked around on us researching this project product. Um, uh, this is also on Sim Racing Garage. Uh, Barry did a review on this as well. And, uh, you know, he, he had good reviews about it as well. So um, it's it's really for something if you have a special wheel you really like that's a USB wheel that you got to, you know, plug directly into your computer um, and still you want to use it on a Fanatec and still get force feedback. That's what this product will do. Uh, obviously, if you have Fanatec wheels already, it's this is this product is not not necessary but yeah so not a bad little little deal there i see let's talk results nascar high racing series we're getting down to the end boys uh let's finish up last week uh boy what a rough week friday open i was wrecked out I was just riding on the outside behind somebody and the guy on the inside just comes right up into me and puts us both in the wall. Uh, done deal. Tony Rochette, P33, car came up from the grass. He hit a dump that was on the front stretch apron and right into my drive side door, killing my car. Thanks, asshat. Kyle, you said PF idiot drivers. All right, so we're going to just a small rant here. You're going to get the gist of how my race rant went. Alert, rant, rant alert. Rant alert. <laughs> Lap one, doored by a driver who thinks it's better to speed up and gain positions instead of being cautious and avoiding other drivers during a wreck. What an idiot. Lap, who cares? Doored by a guy who got doored and then put in the grass and decided to stay in the gas <clears throat> and then loses it, just slams up into me. Lesson, everyone, hammering down while out of control in the grass will never end well. What an idiot. Rant over. This concludes our test of the rant warning system. 
not yet. Um, I forgot to put it in, but I raced uh, Friday night as well. And uh, I got a P33 after getting destroyed fairly early. Um, and yeah, just, just terrible racing. It was not good. Except for David, you got a win. Slump? What slump? Well, we'll talk more about that later. Uh, this was the most stolen of stolen wins ever. Because here's what happened. I was running good. I was running in the top five most of the second half of the race as the set kind of came in. Um, however, we have a caution with about 15 to go. I pit and jump from third to second on the pit. I racing glitches out and gives me the insight and, and does not tell me to stay behind the race leader. So I'm like, I got race control. I'm going to take it. And uh, I gun it as soon as the pace car's in, out and jump to a one second lead because the outside guy thought he still had race control. Um, but we still had a caution. So he got to get all that distance right back. And on a green white checkered, we re racked it. I had another good start, even though I, he knew I had the lead that time. And it was just enough to stay about, about uh, well, less than a car length ahead on the finish. But especially after being in the slump, I was taking every gift that iRacing gave me. And um, yeah, so it was exciting. Um, and at the same time, I knew um, it was stolen. So, but you know, considering how many times things have been taken away in a similar fashion, you take them when you can get them. And, and what was your mood there, David? I, I didn't get a sense of excitement or <laughs> I just won the NIS or any of that. I think it was tempered because I understood how much of a steal it was. I see. Well, a win is a win is a win. Congratulations. Let's move to Sunday Open. P20, Tom Dryling. One caution, I made a mistake. I rochetted the pit stop and sped down pit road. 40 second penalty. I fell two laps down. I could only work my way back to 20th. On to Martinsville. David, what'd you get? Uh, it was the slump just kicked right back in after this, right? The same BS. Uh, there were three guys, and this guy in the middle couldn't hold a lane on like lap five and just punched me up into the wall. Race over. Okay. Uh, Sunday fixed. I was wrecked out again. Now, I want to point out this is four races in a row. I was wrecked out of Kansas in all four attempts three in open, one in fixed and I never finished a race. I lost 400 I rating in one week. Awesome. Uh, I was Tom. good for a while in this race. I was missing all the big wrecks uh, completely. I'd worked my way all the way to the lead. Eventually we had a deal where I was the first on tires with, with nine in front who had stayed out. I took it three wide and the guy was clueless and just came right up into us. Uh, and then after that, I was just riding around and I got destroyed again by a guy loose coming down into the bottom lane. And uh, yeah. I was going to jump in here. We skipped over Tom, who did take a P20 in the open race that morning. I did read that off. Oh, you did? Would you do read that one before me? Yep. Okay. Sorry. That was off in La La Land then. And then, Brian, you ran with me P21. Yeah, I was really excited. I got all the way to the green-white checker finish before I got wrecked out. So, yeah, it was it was really nice to get that far into the race before getting destroyed by somebody being stupid. So I was really excited to get there. Um, I lost a bunch of points as well as far as I rating. Didn't have a whole lot to give up, but I, I lost uh, probably almost 100 points in two races. Tough week for us as a team. Let's talk another tough week. Martinsville, David. 
uh, a guy in the middle of the pack at Martinsville spins out, no chance to avoid. Two and a half minutes of damage to the front of the engine. I take a ton of tape off. There's so many cautions. I get the I get it all fixed, um, and I've got about 19, 20 RPMs, and I'm kind of running fast again, even at the 19, 20. I climb back up to 12th, fighting back, you know, getting all that damage fixed and having to get the lucky dog once. And uh, on about lap 200, I racing the sets. Congratulations on how that worked. We're gonna blow your engine up now. Yeah, getting your hopes up, and then boom. Literally, boom. I had a tough race. I was wrecked out. I had a perfect car and a pretty good race run. I was top five. I was right up until about 40 to go. And then at that point, some guy dive bombing like crazy. I mean, just from way back, took, took me out. It was bad. I mean, I couldn't steer the car, but there was no meatball. But I was so mad. And there was only like 40 left to go, and I'm thinking it's a half mile. I can just like stay on the end of the lead lap maybe and, and get a finish. I just want to finish. So I, I stayed out with the damage, and that was a major mistake. I could not drive the car. Uh, I went into the first corner, and it slammed into the wall. I went into the next corner, and it did the same thing. So then I was trying to get to pit road, and. I hit two guys, basically wrecked two guys trying to get to pit road and caused another caution. Um, I I apologized to those guys. I, I I didn't mean to. I was I basically couldn't steer the car. It's like one of those things where it wouldn't turn to the right at all, and you'd have to crank the wheel to the left just to get it to turn left. And and uh, in hindsight, you know, I should have parked it. You know, I should have not even tried. And I wish, you know, they would give a meatball when it's that tore up. I mean, I should have had a meatball. Kyle, you were in that race with me, P13. Oh, yeah. What can I say? P13, and it was just nothing but pace laps. That's all it was. It wasn't even much of a race. Had a couple of good runs, but um, it was my one and done for the week for Martinsville. So everyone else enjoy that I ran today, uh, Thursday open, DQ'd out too many incidents. What's interesting is Wednesday night, I only had like four incidents, I think, total. Uh, but uh, in this race, I got a bunch and, you know, different incidents where I didn't even get damaged. It's like they barely touch you from behind and then he gets wrecked by somebody else and then they wreck and I, I had nothing to do with it, but I still get four X. and. That's kind of how my incidents played out throughout the race, but I got the pass through penalty. I was actually made up some good, all my track position after the pass through. I had a, I got a wave around, a lucky dog, I mean, um, back on the lead lap, moved my way back up and just got too many incidents uh, and got DQ'd out with 25 incidents. Uh, I had a top 10 going, it was top split. There were actually only two splits uh, for that race. All right, Fast Track Sim Racing League, P2, David. Do what? I, I seem to have a memory block on this one. No, I don't. Uh, this has got to be the worst feeling uh, loss ever, man. Uh, take a pass for the lead late, and then um, on the last turn one, I tap the apron and get just upset enough for Tyler to catch me and get around me and, and steal the win. I was, it was one of those where I just got up and left and didn't really didn't say much afterwards. Um, you know, you, I uh, just uh, failed to execute and coughed one away. 
Uh, it's interesting. I remember listening to on a sports or not a yeah a sports podcast recently that um, they did a study on the facial expressions of Olympic silver medalists versus Olympic bronze medalists, and on average, the bronze medalists look, would look happier than the silver medalist. And I think we lost Mike's headphones, so I'll, I'll pick up the rest. Yeah, Mike's Mike's headphones just went out. So that's what I did. Let's see. I've got to get back up on the script. Yeah, so it uh, looks like Greg got a P8 in the fast track uh, sim recently. Do you remember anything about his race, Dave? Yeah, he, he tried a different set and uh, just uh, didn't... It, it started getting upset on him. He was running really fast with us early on. And then as we started getting to the deeper runs and the track got worn in, it wore out a little. All right, and then Mike, he said P10, he hit the wall, um, and he was just bad on old tires, just didn't have a great race. And that was all of us that made it. Uh, it was a smaller field, just like the NIS was smaller. So looking at hosted. Hey, I'm back, you got me? There you, yeah, yeah, gotcha. We're on Okay, hosted. I'm having headset problems. Yeah, let's talk hosted. I ran a Formula V at Bristol, 38 cars started dead last. That was a blast. And then, was that dirt? Like, uh, I don't know was where that, I finished on that one. Was that dirt or was that uh, asphalt for that? No, that was asphalt. It was pretty fun. Uh, then this one was a blast. Gen 5 at the Old Charlotte. Uh, P3 after starting from the back. Uh, love the horsepower of that car. I, I still think that's one of the funnest uh, NASCAR style cars on the service. Uh, Chris McGuire hosted up uh, Holden and the Falcons at Michigan, which is a fabulous uh, combination. I ran that two different nights uh, when he hosted that up. And then another uh, neat combination was Radicals at Southern National. Where do you find these? Cause I, I can never find these kind of races. I've been wanting to. Well, this at night, usually when the, the East Coast guys are off the service is usually when these uh, Canadians, uh, this guy's Canadian and him and his friends, and. They usually you're drinking um, when they put up <laughs> these races and they just do them one after another. No better idea comes from whenever you're drinking. I do know after we finish up NIS, one of these Friday nights, we're going to do the um, that crazy. We came up with a crazy Tony combination, I think. What was it going to be? The Formula V and the MX-5, like all of the rookie cars from all the different series running at one track at the same time. It'll, it'll be fun. These the the weird combinations are 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 interesting. I hope so. Um, just because they there's not only are they fun, there's less pressure in that kind of a race as well. Because it's not you're not expected to necessarily nail it. Okay, how about OBRL Arca Brian P17? Yeah, so uh, Arca Monday night was at New Hampshire, and uh, I put it as succinctly as possible. I sucked. Um, there's really no other way to describe it. Um, I could not find speed. I could not save tires. I was just terrible. Now, um, part of it was because um, before the race started, I usually like do a practice session on my own for like about an hour before the race starts. And I wasn't able to do it because uh, it was a nasty little thunderstorm that came through and I was scared to fire it up during all the lightning and stuff. But um, so I don't know how much practice I would have needed to get better, but it was a way more than what I did. So um, congratulations, Steve Thompson. He won this race on a one-tire stop at a 130-lap race at New Hampshire, and he was just ridiculous. Uh, note, I mean, he was still going fast, saving tires, saving fuel, um, and he just walked away with that race. 
Well done. He also wins the OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. Steve Thompson, the winner. Josh Robinson, second. Eddie Jones, third. And that was at Martinsville as well. Okay, Kyle, what about the iRacing iRock Challenge Series Season 4? Alrighty, so tonight is our final practice race uh, at Hot Atlanta before we start off the season. Uh, of course, first race will not be a point race. It'll be the shootout at Daytona, but it's going to be the initial kickoff of the season. Uh, so once that kicks off next Thursday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on PTM Racing on Facebook, uh, that's where it's going to be broadcasted at. Uh, you can catch us there to catch the shootout and then catch all 27 races after that. Um, but that's about where we stand right now. We're just waiting to get this week over with so we can start next week. Okay, and then later tonight, I'm going to be running the Ultimate Conquest Racing League Man Cave After Dark Truck Series. And uh, so we're kicking that off to, uh, tonight. Um, if you're interested, uh, hit up Scott Bolster, and uh, he's the admin over there, and he'll get you hooked up. Um, we're trying to get enough people to, to make it a fun event, uh, so come out and race late Thursday night with us. GridFinder is your go-to source for finding your next sim racing league. Currently home to over 450 leagues across all gaming platforms and across 10 different racing sims, including over 80 iRacing leagues. Filter your search by racing sim, car class, race day, and region. Finding a league to fit your schedule has never been this easy. Visit www.grid-finder.com to find a league or upload your own. GridFinder Redfinder.com, the home of online sim racing leagues. Okay, let's get into final thoughts. Brian McCubbin. A uh, couple quick little things here. Um, first of all, uh, Friday night in the open NIS session, we had a lot of Tafosi guys were in that session that night. And, and it was really cool having everybody there together and uh, chatting and racing and having fun. Um, you know, we, we all know the races didn't turn out that great except for David, but, uh, but it was so, so cool to have everybody on there. Uh, I can't, I can't wait for, for more of that. Um, second is uh, I, I'm these, these next, I hate to beat this dead horse, but this next gen uh, car, I, I, the racing at Kentucky is going to be, I, I, I fear is going to be even more indicative of how the next gen races are going to be um, with the low horsepower, the high downforce, these mile and a half intermediate tracks are just going to be everybody bunched up together. Um, I understand from a fan's point of view, watching the real race drivers, it's fun to watch, but you know, we're not professional drivers, especially down in the 18, 1900 split like I'm at. And people make mistakes way too often when they're bunched up like that. And I'm just afraid that this car is going to lend to even more of that type of racing and, and more issues. And it's just going to take the fun out of NIS. I'm scared of that. I really am. So um, I'm certainly going to give it a chance next year when the next gen car comes out. But um, I'm, I'm really nervous about how these races are going to go. Yeah, I 100% agree with you there, man. Um, I just don't understand why they go that route. All we've talked about, and not just us, but some of the real racing podcasts too have talked about, is how bad, how after you get the restart done, you can't pass in those cars because the because there's just 
there's not enough horsepower and they have they run such a higher corner speed that they have to run harder tires or they will have major tire fail, failure issues going 170 miles an hour Goodyear doesn't want that so they're going to run a harder tire because the corner speed's so high and just when you're not having to get off the throttle passing isn't a thing and it uh, I don't think it provides a good real racing product either uh, going on with my, that, I guess would be part of my final thoughts. But also, also, uh, my other final thought is I've got my custom uh, profile in to build my little shelf on the back of my rig. I made a little mistake in, when I did my measurements and for, forgot to account for the the side pillars that hold the wheel being sitting on the outside of the base frame instead of on top. So I ordered the wrong size plank or shelf shelf to go with it. So I'm having to kind of hunt down. I don't want to wait another 40 days. So I'm trying to hunt down just a piece of sheet metal somewhere, or I don't want to go wood because I thought it, think it would look stupid in aluminum, but that may be in the end route I end up going is just having to cut, cut a plank of wood and turn that into my shelf and maybe I paint it a metallic color or something. Measure twice, cut once. <laughs> All right, Kyle Pendigraph, your final thoughts. Um, well, one of my final thoughts is Mike, you look silly all bent over like that. <laughs> uh, but no, um, my final thought is actually, I don't know if anybody's been keeping up with the repave of Atlanta. Um, they've been posting a lot on YouTube here the last couple of days with their updates. And I'm actually getting kind of excited for it. I was kind of skeptical with it, with the whole banking change, but it actually was like, it's going to be pretty fun. Now with the next gen car, I don't know. Like I, I'm kind of 50, 50 on that. So it's not, really my cup of tea to see them race like they're you know they want it to be or how that's going to look like it's going to be but you know maybe that'll change over the next couple of years and then next last final thought is i just upgraded to an ssd uh, m.2 hard drive so i've been spending the day stressing over getting everything switched over and installed and i think i finally finished it about 15 minutes ago so cross my fingers it all works yeah, that's the best hard drive to have, basically, the fastest kind, right? Yeah, well, see, and what really pushed me to get it was when we were doing our NIS races, and you all would be like, oh, yeah, Kyle, you're in my split. And I'm like, oh, I am? I'm not even loaded in yet. So I was like, I got to keep up with them. All right, well, well done on the re-image there. Uh, my final thoughts, uh, finishing up the rig. Uh, I got last weekend a replacement uh, mount for the iPhone. Uh, from that company, TAC Form. I cannot recommend enough this cell phone holder. Now, it was $60, <laughs> but it's metal. It's not plastic. It's fully uh, adjustable. It mounts to 80-20, and um, it's just perfect. I, I can't, even though I spent a lot of money on it, I'm really happy with the result. The other thing is uh, this afternoon that came in from Amazon is that blue uh, insert that you put into the T-slot to stop dust from collecting. I bought uh, six uh, packages of that at about 70 bucks. And uh, right before the show, I finished cutting the pieces and putting them all into the slots. I actually filled almost all the slots um, at least the ones that are visible from the outside. Um, I could probably use maybe one more package to kind of do a few more little spots, but pretty much I'm done with that. Uh, the last thing is the drink holder or the cup holder. 
it's been on order it hasn't shipped and that is the final piece i actually have no intention of buying anything else besides the cup holder so uh probably going to work on some nice uh, glamour shots tonight of the rig with some lighting uh, now that i've uh, finished with the blue strips uh, i did a nice TikTok video uh, the guys were impressed with uh, of the rig. Uh, it came out pretty good. So check out my TikTok and uh, yeah, I was just loving the cockpit, man. I love that I, I can undo the, the brakes on the casters and move it. Every time I race, I put it in a different part of the room. I don't know why, I guess because I can, uh, but it's just super comfortable to race in and uh, really glad that I, I, I took the step to, to go ahead and build it, so. With that, hey, we'll see you on the track. Later. Thank you for listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.